Här är EdTech Tuesdays. Mitt namn är Eva Hotmacher. I det här avsnittet har vi fått en stund med Mervi Palander, en serieentreprenör inom EdTech från Finland. Hon har arbetat 25 år i utbildningsbranschen och har en master i education och postgraduate i psykologi. Jag och Mervi pratar om vad som saknas inom EdTech och om teknologier som en möjliggörare. Vi diskuterar hur du skapar bra utbildning och varför data is the key. Mervis passion är teknik som hjälper barn med läsförståelse. Ett av hennes bolag har hjälpt 3,5 miljoner barn i hela världen att lära sig läsa. Om du gillar våra avsnitt, dela och berätta gärna om EdTech Tuesdays för andra. Det skulle hjälpa mig mycket. Nu är det dags för Mervi Palander. Välkommen till EdTech Tuesdays. En intervjupodd om innovation, lärandekultur och teknologier för lärande. Vi samtalar med svenska och internationella innovatörer, investerare, thinkers och doers som utmanar status quo. Podden produceras av Snabbfoting, en ledare inom kontinuerligt lärande och digitala plattformar. Uh, we are really getting out of this, uh, like we don't have the labor anymore. We don't have, the labor market is going like, uh, I don't know where, but it's mm. like uh, uh, we don't have enough people to do things that needs to be done. Mm. And I think that the technology is the only enabler there where, where we can really, really uh, like uh, uh, do the upskilling and reskilling and evaluate the competencies and all this kind of stuff. So I think that it's like, uh, I think that this kind of a change uh, is sometimes uh, even as a bird, it's actually pushing people away because they don't want to change. <laughs> they just mm. want to tackle the things that they have at the table. So I think that that is, that is something that it's like, uh, it could be more like how, how this kind of a edtech could help in this very, very, um, i don't know, a uh, difficult situation we, we, where we don't have any employees anymore. Mm. Like, uh, like, for example, uh, in our own companies, so we need people with the mathematical backgrounds and so there are none. So it's like, and, and quite many organizations like, for example, the IT functions, uh, they can't actually Uh, implement anything new because uh, they don't have any IT resources mm. and they are really big corporations so it's not that uh, they have a bad reputation or something it's just there are no competent people left and you describe really interesting uh, topics and challenges uh, i think i meet these challenges all the time when i speak to organizations here in the nordics in the large organizations Um, but I see they have a quite low digital maturity uh, and they need skills in their departments to to um, uh, roll out uh, initiatives uh, in learning and tech. Uh, so it is lots of challenges. And I see it is a challenge, challenge both with the digital maturity and the transformation process because it slows down everything. And a scale that as well. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And it's like uh, it used to be about the information society. Now it's about skills. 
and I think that it's uh, it's very important to understand that we we can tackle this challenge uh, with only uh, classroom trainings and and uh, course portfolios like we have actually done uh, before like uh, 10 years before it uh, or ago 10 years ago it was like totally okay to actually provide with the just the class the same classroom trainings each and every year hmm. and then uh, some kind of a external course portfolio port from some external uh, course or portfolio provider hmm. but now it's like um and uh and the training was uh somehow it was isolated from this work day mm. or how how people people usually work it was like totally isolated island and it is sometimes it is still uh for some organizations uh they it's not this kind of a, it's not a part of the business operations mm. and i think that it's very very somehow funny and sad at the same time when we have like a, we have a business operations uh running uh like uh, on top or, or on people or with people with competencies with skills and then we don't consider uh that uh, this uh this skill, skills development and upskilling or reskilling has anything to do with the business success so it's like um, I think that it's it shouldn't be like a, a separate thing done by some uh, HRD corner. It should be part of the whole business. And mm-hmm. I think that, uh, um, this is something where uh, like uh, this kind of edtech tools, uh, all kind of uh, data uh, HR tools, uh, interoperability between those. Uh, is bringing a lot of insight uh, now for the business as well. Mm. Can you describe uh, your dream situation of learning? What do you see? What is your dream of learning? My my dream is uh, that we can actually now uh, like distribute Crawford game as to as many kids as we can, just to enable them to learn how to read. I think that that is, uh, that is my mission at the moment. So, and, and that is my dream as well. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's like, uh, it's not too much anymore about this kind of a business success. It is about the impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we are passionate about something, then I think that we can be successful as well. If you describe a bit about yourself, you have been so many years in learning and uh, you are so active. I've seen your activities and I really admire your work. Can you describe uh, t- and tell me more? Mm, well, thank you, Eva. <laughs> it's like very polite. Uh, um, yeah, I have been uh, in educational technology field like 25 years. I'm over 50 years old, which is not a secret, of course. Uh, then I have two sons, two dogs and a cat and a horse. And I'm living in a countryside here in, in the middle of the forest. And uh, I have been like always very interested about people. And I think that that is the reason why I, uh, uh, I went to study education. And I have like studied afterwards like psycho psychology and psychotherapy 
and uh, and also I'm a, a work supervisor, so I I really really enjoy working with people, and um, and I think that the, with this education technology we can help people uh, and uh, help people to be more like competitive, more successful, and and I think that the most important thing is that we can. Uh, really adapt the learning experience. So people who have difficulties in learning, they uh, they benefit a lot uh, from these different kind of edtech solutions. So so personalization is something that uh, I want to do and I want to work with in the future. And uh, I'm extremely uh, interested about the impact as well. Since I have been working like 25 years with the edtech with uh, different organizations, and I, I think that now with the Bravo game, I have found something which has a, like a uh, like a very clear impact uh, in days. So mm. it's like a, uh, this literacy skills is the most fundamental skill uh, for the uh, for the kids. So if they can't read, they can't actually learn anything else, like academically, uh, of course. Some practical stuff, but not uh, not uh, academic skills. So I think mm. it's now it's my passion uh, at the moment. When we speak about learning, uh, what do you say are enablers to to make change in learning? I think that it's uh, it's another. If I would actually put it another way around, uh, that what is missing uh, from this edtech market, because mm. I think that it's like. There are many things that should be uh, should be like uh, in a little bit different uh, situation or position. I, I think yeah. that like, but if we start from the scratch, if you, if I think think about like, what is missing mm-hmm. uh, missing from the edtech market or um, and so so I think that in many discussions. Uh, uh, the edtech is considered to be only for schools, and and corporations are the huge customer segment for edtech products. Mm. And uh, and also like in in many discussions, the technology uh, is uh, dominant in this picture. So when we are talking about educational technologies or edtech, it's all it's it's mainly about the tech. So it's a uh, uh, pedagogy and learning design are totally missing. Mm. And then I think that it's in many organizations, uh, um, people who are responsible for digital education, they don't actually know the market uh, mm. or nor the sol- solutions. Uh, and I think that in many, many organizations, it's a responsibility of, for IT department. So uh, this digital transformation is considered to be successful when the softwares are up and running. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is uh, that is one of the biggest things, uh, and and this kind of a holistic approach is missing totally. Mm-hmm. They are not like uh, organizations or schools. They are not thinking about the big picture. They are buying products uh, to actually cover some specific needs. And um, and they don't actually think about uh, this kind of a, what they are trying to uh, achieve. What is the mission for this whole uh, chain? So why they are using uh, edtech products 
it is only that they are trying to tackle something uh, which is not like or uh, something with, which is like currently uh, important but uh, but not as a holistic uh, mm. point of view I think that that is the that is the biggest thing and um, and if you uh, you asked what could be the enablers so I think mm-hmm. that, like um, uh, of course it's uh, I think that we should uh, we should have have this kind of a competence development for decision makers and also people who are planning and implementing these solutions. So they uh, they should actually uh, learn first what is uh, what is this transformation about, why it's done, mm. uh, what kind of an impact it should and could have for the, for example, for the business uh, business and and in schools. Uh, uh, I think that it's a, it's a very cool to think about that why uh, these ethics solutions are actually used and implemented uh, um, uh, to their daily work. In my daily work, uh, and I have a financial background, uh, uh, as an ethics advisor today, uh, I'm, I'm a bit concerned concerned about short-term strategy and profits instead of the long-term profits in the organizations. So when they, the the organizations here in Europe and the Nordics implement programs or or purchase edtech, sometimes, yeah, it is more of a uh, short-term investment instead of, as you say, the holistic approach with a more longer-term perspective, do you have a comment on that? Yes, I I agree, and uh, I think that it's like a, um, um, it's like a, ten years ago it was like totally okay to have this kind of a, a similar course portfolio, same courses uh, year after year. But nowadays, I think that it's uh, it's more crucial to think about how how people how actually organizations or what kind of competencies organizations they uh, they need. Is it like uh, uh, is it uh, that they are running these course uh, courses or uh, online courses or classroom courses only because uh, they want to actually or there's a, like an organization part of the organization who is responsible for uh, organizing trainings, or is it like considered to be a crucial part of the business success? Mm. And, uh, and there comes the like the role of uh, uh, data and the technologies and the tech as well, of course. So mm. so if you think about, for example, in, uh, in many cases, uh, where the successful organizations uh, have actually implemented these edtech solutions. So they first have like a proper understanding that what kind of a competencies the organization uh, and the business success actually needs mm. now and in the future. Mm. Of course, they can't actually see very far, but uh, at least they have some kind of a best guess uh, what kind of a competencies they need in order to actually be successful. And then they, uh, then they have a, a visibility to their own stuff like uh, what kind of competencies people have. And um, and then when we compare these two, like uh, the target 
competencies uh, and the existing competencies we get is uh, upskilling and reskilling needs. Mm. And then those can be tackled uh, much, much easier uh, with, uh, with these uh, online resources. Of course, people need different kind of uh, trainings. They, they need, in some organizations, uh, they need sandboxes, uh, hybrid learning um, and so forth. But uh, in my mind, I think that uh, most of the organizations, when they when they have the data about the needs, what kind of uh, uh, competence needs they have, and then they have implemented this micro-learning approach mm-hmm. so that they can actually, uh, they can combine learning and this daily work. Mm-hmm. I think it's learning shouldn't be an isolated island, uh, like uh, that you go... You go to the training and then you do your work. It should yeah. be, uh, it should be integrated and and then, uh, then there the technology solutions are neighbors. So it's uh, I think that it's it's quite crucial and also uh, also data. So it's uh, it's not only about edtech. There yeah. are many 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 other. Uh, like technology solutions in HR, uh, in uh, in business development, uh, like customer uh, relationship management, uh, all different tools that should be integrated. Uh, and uh, and it's all about li- like APIs, interoperability. How we can actually utilize the data from other business operations, mm. um, and then we can also uh, measure. Uh, that how successful these um, uh, training activities are from the business point of view. Of course, there can be other methods as well, like very uh, like human <laughs> and this kind of more soft. Uh, but uh, yes, I think it's and now you speak about a really interesting and important um, uh, perspective of this uh, because when you use the data, you have different departments connect the data together uh, with the outcome from the learning. Uh, That is really, really important information. What happens when you implement a learning uh, initiative in the organization and what happens in the uh, company after that uh, program and EdTech investment? uh, um, Because someone needs to pay for, for the education technologies and then it's important to understand the key metrics and how they are integrated together mm-hmm. yeah totally agree and and then i think that this kind of a mindset should be also uh, that uh, this education or um, education is a service for the staff so it's mm. it's not uh, it, it is investment of course but it should be uh, it should be something that is helping people to actually do their daily job and uh, and have the competencies and then i think that there are like a lot of uh, i have seen a lot of like very good implementations where where they have like uh, centralized access to the learning resources so people don't have to go around and try to find those uh, uh, those uh, different uh, um, like uh, for example uh, content resources uh, they uh, they have uh, implemented this adaptive 
learning uh, models, uh, utilizing learning experience platforms, mm. uh, metadata, and and also like a very very good search functions. Mm. And then uh, behind the search, there's of course or or like also data. Mm. So. Uh, data, of course, I think that the, um, men, quite many organizations, they are very, uh, very concerned about uh, GDPR and, and data security. But if you think about this kind of lowest level of data, so mm. it, uh, it's uh, quite often uh, and it's, uh, it's there. So if you have a, like this kind of a learning experience platform, which can utilize metadata. So then you know uh, what kind of a, a content you have stored in in the system, and mm. uh, and then we can actually in those uh, organizations they can use recommendations and and so forth based on the con- uh, like a uh, data from the content. Then the next level it would be of course uh, when they can start to utilize uh, this HR data. So. Mm. Uh, job profiles, uh, the competence categories, uh, upskilling and reskilling needs. And when mm. we combine those with the data from the content, mm. um, then it becomes a service. And then uh, then uh, I think that the a thing that I'm very interested at the moment is, uh, is this kind of a learning experience, how we can actually measure the impact and the learning experience and and uh, the behavior uh, mm. with with uh, like uh, systems with the peers with the content uh, with the own learning goals. So I think mm. these, uh, these things are things that I can actually enable this learning uh, to be a service mm. in organizations. But it mm. needs a lot of uh, other things than only only like a educational technologies so mm. but the data data is a key and there is like a adaptive uh, adaptive learning runs on top of data so it's mm. uh, the most important thing yeah absolutely i i agree the data i was in uh, london earlier this year and i think it was a presentation that said data uh, it's the breakfast for champions and it was so <laughs> Wonderful to see that. (laughs) Really, really nice. It is a lot of discussions regarding work, uh, learning in the flow of work, or learning in the moment of need. You, you are a designer, learning designer, uh, and regarding the behaviors, uh, do you work with these methods? we already discussed uh, to, to, to integrate learning in the work. C- can you tell me more? Yeah, this has been, I think, uh, this learning design. Even when we didn't actually talk about, we, uh, I think that when I started, we, the world was talking about instructional design and it was more about, it was more about uh, designing the courses not the learning experience and it was like i think that back like 25 years ago it was uh it was like the course was ready when it was ready when we had this like a flash package implemented yeah. to the system it was like done but nowadays i think that the learning design is much more it's uh it's designing the experience and the flow and everything Mm. And um, uh, and uh, like couple of when when this COVID started, mm. um, we started to write a kind of a write a book with my colleague Hanne Koli, 
and uh, and after 300 pages of uh, like uh, information about learning design, mm-hmm. we actually thought that nobody is going to read this. So mm-hmm. uh, we went back to the drawing board and uh, and uh, now we have uh, 60 cards about learning design. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like a puzzle that you can actually put those 60 cards uh, to the day at the table and um, and then you have uh, a clear flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are like uh, uh, Ten cards about how you um, uh, start the whole process, then how you build uh, the learning, uh, this kind of a digital learning experience, then how you facilitate a, uh, this kind of experience when the course is ongoing, and um, and then then we have some uh, tips, some pedagogical tips and hints, then and then something that you should be uh, like keeping in mind all the time, like uh, cognitive uh, overload and these kind of things. But now we have squeezed this uh, 25 years and harnessed uh, 25 years to these 60 cards, so. Fantastic. Which contribution to learning are you most proud of from your career? I think that Clanet has helped a lot of uh, like uh, different organizations and uh, and um, I'm still quite proud of the product, how I have designed it because it's still very, very uh, new or uh, this approach is new and the data is there. And um, I think that it's uh, it's working very well for the organizations who are actually uh, using it. But at the moment, I think that uh, like after 25 years, uh, it, I don't know, it's uh, this kind of a commercial is, um, I don't know. Uh, at the moment, I'm very, very keen on this impact and how we can actually help people mm-hmm. and help people with uh, with these uh, technology solutions. And I think that the, now these 3.5 million kids who have learned to read with Graphic Game mm-hmm. uh, is something that uh, I'm actually quite proud of. And uh, and the feedback from the teachers and the parents are like is uh, is very very nice of course the product is not developed by us it's developed by uh, over 20 universities around the globe but uh, we have created the game and we are actually uh, distributing the game and uh, during the covid we got uh, uh, 15 uh, countrywide deals so it's like um, now uh, as a free learning resource in 15 countries Thank you. And um, when we have a look about the skills gaps uh, in the world, um, how do you say we can contribute from our sector in learning and edtech to to meet the, the skills gaps in the labor market? It is a huge gap the mm-hmm. next five, ten years to meet all these labors with competencies. Can, can we help? Yes, definitely. I think that uh, um, uh, there are like a lot of quite nice solutions for that. So uh, there's like a one company in Finland called Head AI. Uh, they are doing a lot of uh, like, uh, um, or they are working in this field uh, with the communes and cities already. Um, uh, and um, I think that in uh, proximal uh, planet uh, we have uh, we have a lot of uh, 
entrepreneurship trainings for uh, for young people in Finland, uh, uh, in Africa, in developing countries. Uh, uh, I think that it's, um, but it's it's crucial that we know what kind of competencies we are missing. So I think that there, there has to be this part first. And then when we know uh, what competencies uh, we need, and, uh, and this upskilling and reskilling needs, then I think that education technologies uh, can help a very, very uh, um, like uh, much because it's like a, it's a scalable. If I think about, for example, graphic games, so uh, in a uh, in a Cambridge research, uh, they actually uh, show that a, a graphic game is as effective as one teacher and one child but millions of kids can actually be playing at the same time. So mm-hmm. I think this kind of a, a personalization, microlearning, all this kind of a accessibility to the learning resources, uh, uh, all these kind of things are not uh, possible without uh, technology. So it's like uh, we can uh, we can personalize. We can uh, we can help uh, kids with uh, with, for example, and adults as well with the different uh, uh, like a uh, diffic- learning difficulties and so forth. Mm. And we are lacking like millions and millions of teachers in this world. So mm. uh, that is um, that is the fact as well. Can you see the teachers uh, in the world? Do, do they have lack of competencies in uh, digital literacy or digital uh, competency? Do we need to support the teachers to, to accelerate the uh, transfer of learning to people yes. all around the world? Yes, of course, teachers, but uh, it's, uh, I think that the teachers are not uh, very different from uh, other professions. So it's like... Uh, all over the world, of course, people who are working with the technology on a daily basis, they are more advanced. But, uh, but of course, uh, this competence development should be uh, provided for the teachers as well. But I think that it's like, um, and it's very important to actually notice that we are not re- replacing the teachers with the technology. We are helping them. Uh, many speak about five-hour learnings per week uh, for employees. Um, how can we make that happen? Uh, I think that if it's part of the working day, because I think that in um, uh, there's a like a huge demand uh, for new knowledge and skills. So it's like uh, um, I think that uh, if people could uh, or employees could adapt this kind of uh, uh, habits. That they're using, uh, using these learning resources uh, like while they are working. So I think then five hours is not much. If it's like all this information searching, micro learning modules, uh, all this, and also like self-generated learning content. Mm. I think that it's uh, it, but it it requires a lot of from the uh, like organizations how they store the content so that it can be reused and, mm. and all these kind of things, how to search, uh, how they actually provide these uh, different learning nuggets uh, and information and uh, and how they utilize metadata and so forth. So if you think about like, uh, if you are like in this kind of knowledge work and, um, and I think that we both actually 
use a lot of internet and, and different sources while we are working. So if mm. we think about that, how much time we actually use uh, browsing different uh, articles and research papers and so forth, it's easily five hours, but mm. uh, it should be considered as a learning as well. So it can't be like uh, we go to the course for five hours. So mm. then, it's, uh, then it's quite a lot. And there we have the metrics again, the data. If yeah. okay, it is a discussion how much to track uh, in in the workday, but uh, if uh, behaviors uh, so so we can follow uh, articles or things like that. Then, yeah, then we have the five hours of learning, as you say. Yeah, great, interesting. How do you learn best, uh, Mary? Uh, at the moment, I'm reading a lot, uh, but uh, of course, uh, from discussions and uh, and I think that uh, from other uh, edtech entrepreneurs as well. Mm. So uh, I think that this kind of collaboration is uh, is uh, like it's crucial uh, to have discussions and and to share this kind of uh, um, like uh, things that didn't go too well, <laughs> as well as, uh, of course, the success cases as well. And now, uh, currently, we are in this accelerator program. So so I think that it has been uh, quite a big learning experience. Mm. They, are like, uh, they are like very, very nice speakers and advisors, but also other companies that we can actually speak with. Mm. Nice. Uh... Do you work on any projects for the moment that you can tell more about? Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ten. <laughs> tell me one or two. Uh, yeah, I uh, I think that I I have always a couple of companies uh, where I'm uh, uh, working as a advisor. So I think that it's uh, it's uh, totally pro bono, but it's uh, it's uh, keeping my mind fresh because it's of course working with. Uh, with uh, uh, working with uh, like only with your own company, it's like quite isolated. I'm here now in in the middle of the forest, and my team is uh, around the globe. So, so it's like somehow sometimes it's very lonely job to be an entrepreneur. So yeah, lonely, but yeah, you have so much people around you. Can you mention one book you read for the moment? Oh, um, I'm actually, um, yes, the, uh, I always have like a quite many books, uh, like here, like uh, at my table. <laughs> is, uh, uh, this uh, the sales accelerator formula, uh, like using data. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then, of course, uh, um, like a product lead growth is. Uh, Wes Push, uh, one of his books. So these are now, I'm trying to learn um, this, um, uh, this uh, quote hacking practices, but. <laughs> I have a book recommendation for you. Uh, recently I started to read a book called Inspired uh, and it is um, like a user experience and how you develop uh, products that uh, people love. Uh, so a user experience book uh, with yeah. the product development. Would you like to share something to the audience uh, 
a dream project, uh, something you are working on for the moment, and how we can reach you. Uh, we have a lot of sponsors uh, around the globe, like um, uh, governments, NGOs, uh, big corporations, uh, or smaller ones as well. And they are sponsoring this literacy, early literacy um, uh, game, craft game, or called craft game uh, for all the kids uh, in a certain countries. So we have already like 15, 15 countries covered and uh, soon 4 million kids have learned to read uh, with Crapo Game. So it's like, a, it is the mission that I'm I'm thrilled about now and I'm really, really trying to get it uh, more and more global. Our mission is to actually get uh, uh, 10 million kids uh, like uh, to our platform uh, by the summer next year and uh, I think that it's it is something that uh, I would like to share this with uh, with quite many people or as many people as possible so if you are like influencer or if you are like um, interested about literacy skills or if you want to enable like in, in, enable literacy skills for for kids uh, around the globe so you can you can actually contact me. Yeah, I'm in LinkedIn, and, and then uh, uh, then you can actually just go uh, to the craftgame.com and you can find my contact information from there. Great, nice. If if you give uh, like two or three tips to the audience today, how they can work with the learning to make it easier to adapt it in their organizations. Mm, I think that uh, first of all, uh, they should or you should think about why, uh, why this uh, education technology is needed. Uh, what you what you need to tackle, uh, how it can help, and then uh, like draw this holistic idea about what you are after, not just actually uh, uh, by. Uh, products or solutions or applications to tackle some small uh, needs. So I think that it's uh, it's very, very important to keep that in mind. And then keep your eye on data. So uh, so really, really uh, uh, like evalu evaluate uh, each and every month what you have actually, um, um, what you have uh, been able to uh, do with these uh, edtech solutions uh, and um, and then uh, change something if needed. So I think that it's like, um, and the third one is that uh, this is not about technology. It is about education. And the pedagogy should always come first, not the technology. The technology is an enabler. Mm. So that is very important. Mm. Thanks for a wonderful session today in this uh, episode of EdTech Tuesdays. Uh, uh, I'm grateful to have you here. Thank you, Mervi. Thank you for inviting me. This was very nice, uh, nice discussion. Du har lyssnat på EdTech Tuesdays, en intervjupodd producerad av Snabbfoting. Vi är ledare inom kontinuerligt lärande och digitala plattformar. 
Försök oss på snabbfoting.se för att läsa mer om framtidens lärande.